Okay, we're back. Yeah, raffles are tricky, man, because, you know, one person's amygdala feels safe and everyone else's kind of goes flat. Like, what? I lost? So anyway, but we uh, rejoice with those who rejoice. And uh, congratulations. Mike's going to get there. Mike's going to get there. Okay, here we go. All right, so uh, moving right along with, uh, and by the way, the stuff that Cece and I shared about, honestly, uh, I think the one thing we're most excited about is today, uh, and again, everyone came in in a different place. You know, all of us may be in a different season right now in our marriage where maybe the conflicts are a little too much or maybe things are going great, but wherever you're at, what we really want to impart on you today is some really pra- some really helpful practicals uh, to start developing that safety and, and working through conflicts as well. So um, wherever you're at, we hope that this will be uh, of service. Uh, so going back to our brain here, one very interesting thing about the brain is that apparently all information, and I mean all information that enters your brain starts at the bottom and moves up. Okay? Now think about this, what we just learned. If some information goes into my brain, one of the first structures of the brain that that information is going to go past is my amygdala. Alright? If the amygdala says it's not safe, it's going to ignite some energy in my limbic system Right. And if I don't feel safe, what emotion would you guess might flare up? Fear. Guys, anger. Right. So usually anger and fear are associated with, you know, they come up when you don't feel safe. But here's the problem. As that information flows, if it's not if I don't feel safe with that information, it's going to energize my limbic system, right? And it's almost like it's going to it's going to consume all of your brain energy which does not allow the information to get all the way to the ultimate goal where you want it to go, which is your prefrontal cortex. Now, have you ever gotten advice from someone? Yeah. All right. Of course. That is a biblical, you know, suggestion. You can get advice things. Now, here's the thing. Uh, I've had some real challenging situations in my life, both personally, professionally, uh, spiritually. I've had big issues. Well, when I'm in the middle of those big issues, where's my amygdala? Don't feel safe, man. I'm like, I'm, I'm mad or I'm, you know, alarmed or concerned about something. And so when my limbic system is hot, those are the areas where it's really helpful to talk to another brain whose limbic system is not jacked up by the issue that I'm talking about. Because they, or hopefully your spouse, has full access to their prefrontal cortex because their limbic system is not revving up like yours. Is this making sense? Now, the biggest problem in marriage is when both limbic systems are hot, both people are irrational, 
And it's true, we are irrational. When your limbic system's hot, I'm sorry, but you become an irrational person. And irrational people will start choosing some irrational ways to solve problems. And it's not good, usually. All right? So just a very important thing to keep in mind, that information flows up. And so the the better we can acquire safety, which is what we're going to talk about in this session, the more we acquire safety, it allows us to keep our limbic system calmer, and so stuff can get all the way to that nice prefrontal cortex where we can actually make some decisions and uh, one, one aspect of the prefrontal cortex that I didn't mention also is uh, spirituality. They say when people are reading spiritual text or praying, for some reason that prefrontal cortex lights up and the limbic system calms down. Who figure? Exactly what the Bible tells us to do is what actually is beneficial for the best brain functioning. So another interesting thing to share with friends and whatnot outside the church. Okay, now this statement sounds very wrong. In fact, when I read it the first time, I felt uncomfortable with it. But the more I thought about it and reflected on it and even studied it scripturally, I think it's true. Safety is more important than love. Now, wait a minute. Christianity is, it's all about love. God is love. I mean, come on, it's all love. Man, greatest commandments are it's all about love. Here's the problem. You can love me, but if I don't feel safe, it doesn't matter if you love me. I'm not going to receive it. it, it it's not going to go in if I don't feel safe. Okay, and that applies to your marriage. You can love your spouse to death, you think, but if you're not helping your partner feel safe, they're not going to receive or even understand your love. So this safety thing is a big deal, very big deal. All right, uh, here's some uh, interesting study that I I'd never noticed before. So you remember in Luke 5, in the very beginning of Jesus' ministry, and uh, the Simon and the guys are in the boat, and they don't catch any fish, right? And then, they, and then Jesus comes along, and he, I think he teaches first, and then he realizes this dilemma, and he says, hey, you know, why don't you throw on the other side? And you remember what Simon does? He kind of pushes back, like, hey, man, I got this. You know, I'm safe. I know what a fisherman does and how to do it and all that kind of stuff. But whatever, Simon tosses the net on the other side, and what happens? The miracle, right? Oh my gosh, all these fish. It's crazy. Now, Jesus had already been teaching. But think about it. Jesus is talking about God. And he's basically saying, I am the message from God. Like a direct link right here. But look at Simon's response. When Simon Peter saw this, so the miracle now confirmed that Jesus is who Jesus says he is. Right? He fell at Jesus' knees and said, Go away from me, Lord. I am a sinful man. So think about the intensity of this moment. Simon Peter, first of all, did he know he was a sinner before that? I would say probably, okay, 
But now he's realizing, I'm a sinner. And wait a minute, God is real. If God is real and I'm a sinner, that means I am against God and I've been living against him. I've done things that he doesn't like or he doesn't approve of. I'm in big trouble. But look at Jesus' response. Then Jesus said to Simon, Simon, I love you. Simon, you're, you're a great guy. You're a sinner, but no, man, you're okay. What does Jesus say? Don't be afraid. The facts should make you afraid, but don't be afraid. See, I think, I think Jesus was bringing safety to the world so that the world could understand then that God loves them. And then look what happened. From now on, you will fish for people. So they pulled their boats up on shore, left everything and followed him. Do you realize the degree of safety they felt with Jesus? I'm sorry, people, but we find a lot of safety in our fishing nets. We find a lot of safety in our companions or our family. And it says here they left everything. Jesus was enough. The safety that Jesus provided was enough to leave everything. That's amazing. So, we're going to give our marriage a breath. What? Okay. Acts 17, verse 25. Uh, Paul says, And he is not served, God is not served by human hands as if he needed anything, because he himself gives all men life, breath, and everything else. Now, I, that's, that, even before I became a disciple, this is one of my favorite passages, uh, especially later on when it says that, you know, he made us so that we might see, reach out to him and perhaps find him. I love this passage. But one thing I'd never paid attention to was, why does Paul mention breath? Come on! Life, everything else, pretty much covers it, right? I mean, why, why do you got to put breath in it? It doesn't make any sense. But lately, I've been studying breath. And guess what? Breath is a really good thing. Has anybody breathed today? It, it's wonderful, man. In fact, I just had another breath. It's just, it keeps on going. It's crazy. Here's the thing. Now, by the way, um, I'm going to teach you something today because guess what? Right now, all of us are breathing incorrectly. Sorry. I say it to be a bear of bad news. We're all doing it wrong right now. Okay. However, I'm going to teach you how to breathe correctly. And when you breathe correctly, this whole sowing reaping thing is amazing. When you breathe correctly and you can integrate it with prayer, these are all the benefits that show up. Present moment focus. Do you typically do better when you're in the now 
or when you're into next month or last year. Usually we're at our best now. When your thoughts are racing into the future, which the Bible actually teaches against, or when your thoughts are ruminating in the past, you are powerless. You are stuck. There's nothing you can do. But being in the moment, being present, that's where God works. Uh, Awareness, attention, experiencing. The word I like, uh, I would have used instead of experiencing, savoring. Do you know the difference between having a cup of coffee and savoring a cup of coffee? Guess what? One of those takes more time. But we rarely do that. We, we Come on. Starbucks is not in business because people are savoring their coffee. They're doing good business because they have people just consuming, consuming. In fact, I don't have enough. I need to consume some more. But you know what? If you savored coffee, you would drink less. Think about that. Sorry, Starbucks. All right. My daughter works for Starbucks. I've got to be careful. All right. Non-judgment. Less judgmental. Your brain is less critical when you are taking breaths in properly. Uh, acknowledgement. That's kind of like you know ownership. Like you, you get it. I, I get what I'm doing. I see how I'm affecting this situation. Acknowledgement. By the way, are any of these good for marriage? Come on, who loves it when your spouse is like super judgmental? <laughs> Don't you love it, man? Don't you love the, the wordless judgment? Just that look? What the? I hate that. Anyway. All right. So non-attachment. I think that's kind of what I was referring to earlier when the disciples followed Jesus. They, they didn't have to be attached to anything anymore. My value, my worth, my importance has nothing to do with something attached to me. I just am. I am enough. I'm good. I'm a perfect creation of God. I don't need to attach to things. And self-control. All right. So, let's move on. Where do we need to go? Not Las Vegas, but we need to go to Vegas. And what I mean by that is there is a, an amazing, beautiful little nerve that goes along the inside of your spine called the vagus nerve. V-A-G-U-S. Okay? And uh, unfortunately, well, hold on. I, honestly, if I, could, if I could give God any feedback, which no person ever should, but I would think... This nerve is so good and so important, it would have made a lot of sense to put the nerve on the outside of your spine. Because then I could just take my hand and give my back a little scratch and I'd I'd touch this nerve and some amazing things would happen. But unfortunately, the nerve is on the inside of the spine and the only way to access it is from this little thing called diaphragmatic breathing or gut breathing. All right? So... Let's uh, all take your hand and place it on your chest. And I want you to take one breath just right there, right where your hand is. Okay, ready? Get set, go. 
All right. Now take the same hand and move down to your stomach. And I'm going to ask you to take a breath again, but now you're going to breathe directly from here and you're going to try to make your stomach as big as. Okay, don't don't be don't look at anybody. Just just do this. Just look, just focus on God. Close your eyes and you're going to breathe from here as big as you can. You ready? Get set. Go. All right. Now, did the breaths feel different? Which one was deeper? Second one. Which one felt like you got more air? Hopefully the second one. All right. Okay. Now, here's the thing. Uh, By the way, when we came into the world, all of us breathed from here. If you, if you watch a baby, it's phenomenal. You'll look at it and it's like, what the heck? Why is the stomach going? But it's amazing. Children, when we come in, we are breathing correctly. It's funny. No one taught them. But they came into the world designed to breathe here. And they did for a very long time. And then suddenly at some point we became adults or whatever. And now we breathe from here all the time. And unfortunately, for the rest of your life, this is where you're always going to breathe. When you don't make a decision to breathe from here. See, so in other words, you're going to you're going to have to rely on your prefrontal cortex to make a decision to breathe from your stomach. And right now I'm going to give you a lot of information about this, because the more your brain understands the why I should do this, the more convinced your brain and your prefrontal cortex will be to go, oh gosh, I need to make this decision a lot. Okay? You guys ready? All right. And by the way, I apologize. The handouts on your seats, I'm sure you've already figured this out, but I am trying to follow the uh, handout. And uh, there's some blanks there that we're filling in, so hopefully you guys have that. Uh, Does anyone need a handout that doesn't have one? Oh, we need one? Oh, we got one? Yeah, perfect. Okay, we're all equipped. Okay, so when we breathe from our stomach, we get four blessings. Number one, the heart suddenly slows down, which is a good thing. It's good for blood pressure. So heart rate goes down. Number two, because you're getting so much more oxygen in your system, that's more oxygen going in your blood cells. Well, when the blood cells get filled with oxygen, they push out lactate. And lactate is kind of like like an acid in your blood cells. And when you've got a lot of lactate in your blood cells, you typically feel kind of tired, fatigued, kind of blah, uh, just because your blood's not real. It's stressed out, basically. So getting more oxygen into your blood cells kicks out that lactate, which basically is purifying your blood. Third, um, the brain shifts gears. Your brain has different gears. Right now, probably, unless I'm, unless I'm really boring you, uh, your brain should be in beta wave mode right now. In other words, beta wave is kind of your standard operating tempo for the brain. All right? Now, when you tap that vagus nerve, you actually shift the brain into a slower alpha wave rhythm. 
And why would it be good for the brain to be slow? Well, it's sort of like if someone throws a baseball. If someone throws a baseball at me 120 miles an hour, the chances of me hitting it go way down. But if someone throws a softball slowly, I'm able to see, assess, adjust. The chances of me hitting it go way up. So when your brain slows down, typically people report thinking more creatively and more solution-oriented, which, again, a really good quality to have in your marriage. Because guess what? In marriage, you're trying to do life together. And life is complex. And life requires many decisions and judgments and all that good stuff. So the more that you both can be in this kind of better state, in an alpha wave mode and reflecting on things, you will find some very different answers. And then finally, um, the uh, now this is interesting. Apparently, 85% of the serotonin neurotransmitters, by the way, have we heard of serotonin? So, so dopamine feels amazing. Serotonin is very calm and soothing. And unlike dopamine, you cannot get addicted to serotonin. Okay? Serotonins are like a warm bath, and I've never met a client yet who was addicted to warm baths. Like, oh man, I gotta get back to the bath. It, it just doesn't happen. It doesn't happen. So, 85% of the serotonin neurotransmitters in your body, ironically, are located in your stomach. So here you are, you're expanding your stomach. You got all this serotonin on the linings of your intestines. Well, when you tap that vagus nerve, it sort of shakes the serotonin loose and now exit, exits your stomach, gets into your bloodstream, and then goes way, goes directly up to the brain, producing this calming result. Amen. Pretty amazing, huh? Is God cool? Yeah. God is cool. We just don't know how cool he is because we don't understand this thing very much. All right. And by the way, one big conviction that I've learned in just the last few years, I think Christianity for centuries labeled this thing as bad. You know, it's, it's the flesh. Your, your body is it's just evil. And I get it. I've done some evil things with my body, but my body's not evil. My body's an instrument. And if I understand how to use this instrument correctly, it actually is a part of my worship. Worship isn't just reading the Bible and singing songs. It's being aware of this and utilizing this. Okay? All right. So, uh, one suggestion I usually give people uh, getting introduced to breathing is what I call the four-count breath. All right? And basically, it's um, it's... Because, again, it's sometimes hard to concentrate when you're doing this in the beginning. It's hard to stick to it. But uh, counting, apparently, makes it very easy and, and helpful. So what you do is you inhale at a count of four. Then you hold your breath for a count of four. So you expand your stomach and then you hold it, which is almost like you're kind of keeping your hand on the vagus nerve button, so to speak. So you hold for a count of four. Then you exhale a count of four and then hold a count of four again and then you start over. You guys want to try it? All right, let's do it. I'll count, you breathe. And where are you breathing from again? Ah, you guys are, you guys are good. I like this crowd, okay? All right, you ready? 
get set, inhale, two, three, four, hold, two, three, four, exhale, two, three, four, hold, two, three, four, How y'all doing? You got to do it a few times, all right? Come on. All right. So for sake of time, I'm going to leave this one for you to do tonight before you. Because remember, gentlemen, in order to have sex, your wife has to be safe. Yeah, you'll do the four count breath tonight. I know you will. All right. Here we go. All right. Here's another option. Uh, I've actually had some clients uh, actually came back to me and they turned the four count breath into a breath prayer. It's amazing. Now, this is just a version that I think one of my clients gave to gave me. But basically, you know, inhale. I'm thinking, OK, God, you gave me breath. Hold. Thank you for fill in the blank. I am blessed. And then hold. Thank you for blank. So, in other words, they would just do this routine a few times before going to work or before sitting down and having a quiet time or reading their Bible. In other words, they're, they're getting the temple ready for Scripture. They're getting the temple ready for prayer. Does that make sense? So, beautiful stuff. Okay. Uh, and this all ties into what I love in Philippians 4. Do not be anxious about anything. But in everything, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And then a very strange peace, a peace of God which transcends our understanding, transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. So in other words, I love scriptures like this, but... What I really appreciate about learning about the body better and, and this whole breathing stuff is that I feel like these are tools that actually help me not just read passages like this, but actually fulfill them. Because I'm literally doing things that are reducing my anxiety. I'm literally getting my mind shifted so that I actually can reflect thankfully rather than stressfully. Okay. Okay, so we're going to practice. Uh, so this is called a guided imagery exercise. All right. And this is actually going to be our kind of session break for now. Uh, so just get comfortable in your chairs. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to kind of guide you through some directions for about two or three minutes. And during that, I want you to only focus on the breathing and trying to stay away from thoughts and ideas. Now, everyone is going to fail. All right. So here's the way I want you to think about it. When you're trying to stay away from thoughts and ideas, when a thought comes up, congratulate yourself on becoming aware of that and then gently dismiss it and go back to whatever part of the body that I'm focused on in the exercise. OK. All right, guys, let's close our eyes. Take a couple of slow, deep breaths on your own to get started.
And as you're taking in slow, deep breaths, I want to guide your awareness now to your feet. And simply pay attention to whether your feet feel heavy or light. Notice the support of the floor. Now I want you to move your awareness higher to your legs. Focus on just the different muscles in your legs right now. Notice their stillness, the relaxation of those muscles. Now move your awareness higher to your hips, noticing the support of the chair. And now moving your awareness higher to your chest area as it also expands and contracts with each breath. Now I want to invite you to take your right hand and place it on the top of your left shoulder and simply notice the physical contact of the hand to the shoulder. See if you notice heat. And now just very slowly take your right hand and slowly move down your left arm and feeling the warmth of that press as you move down your arm. Noticing what the skin feels like. And then when you get to the top of your left hand, Use your fingers and just feel the top surface of your hand, the surface of each finger, feeling the knuckles, the grooves of skin, and then slowly turn your hand inward and again with your fingers feeling the inside of your left palm, seeing if you can even detect the grooves of your skin inside of each finger maybe notice your wedding ring there and now return your hands to the side take another breath And now similarly, take your left hand and move to the top of your right shoulder. Feel the touch, the warmth. And then slowly move down your arm.
and then noticing the surface of the top of your right hand. And then slowly turning your hand inward and feeling your right palm and your right hand fingers. And then you can return your hands to the side. And now move your awareness to your back, your spine. Noticing the relaxation along your back or simply noticing the support of the chair. And now move higher to your face. Noticing just the relaxation of your different facial muscles. Perhaps below the eyes or around the jaw. And now noticing simply the relaxation of your brain, your mind. And in this relaxed state, I want to guide your thoughts for just a few moments. And I'm going to ask you now to recall your wedding day. And I want you to specifically recall looking at your bride or looking at your groom. And as you're recalling that moment, I want you to just tell yourself three random words that describe your spouse on that day. Now I'm going to we're going to bring the exercise to a close by taking three more breaths and after the third breath slowly opening your eyes coming back to the room. Okay. Welcome back. So, uh, we're going to take a 90-second break before the next raffle. And in those 90 seconds, please share your three words to the person by your side. 